I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how are we doing? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna Live, the Arsenal podcast part of the 90 Min Football Network. And we are here to look ahead to Arsenal's first home Premier League game of the season. The Gunners will finally be playing in front of their own fans in a competitive fixture this uh, season tomorrow against Leicester City. Can't wait for this one. I think the first home game of the season is always a really nice occasion, isn't it? You get to see your mates that you haven't seen over the summer. You get back into that routine of kind of spending your weekends down at the Emirates, meeting friends, um, just the, the whole experience of it. Because going to football is so much more than just what happens on the pitch within that 90-minute period. Of course, that is important. Of course, that determines our moods uh, post and pre-match and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great to, to have the chance to get back to the Emirates Stadium tomorrow ahead of this one. And on this edition of the show, we're going to talk through Mikel Arteta's press conference, which just finished maybe 10, 12 minutes ago in terms of the live broadcast section anyway. Uh, we're going to be discussing the team news. We're going to be uh, discussing the game, what we can expect from Leicester City. I'll be sharing with you guys my starting 11, my prediction, uh, and we'll be talking about some other bits and pieces as well. But before we dive right into it, uh, I just want to say a big hello to everybody in the live uh, chat with us. Um, really, really uh, good to see you all. So many familiar names, so many uh, familiar faces. Uh, big hello to uh, Rob, who says, you should have done the pod from the paddling pool. You'll fry tomorrow where you sit. Luckily for me, Rob, I am not sitting in my normal seat tomorrow. Uh, I'm in the press box tomorrow because I'm covering the game for BBC Radio London. So I'll be bringing live updates on BBC Radio London from inside Emirates Stadium. And thankfully, the press area is in the shade. Much easier to get a drink of water as well if you need one. But other than that, I have to say I do prefer being in the crowd. I've said this many a times and, you know, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine earlier today and he was asking me, where I will sit in. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to be working tomorrow. So I won't be in my normal place. And he was like, you must love that. And the truth is I don't like, I don't, it's, it's not any better. Like I, I prefer to be in the North bank. I prefer to be uh, with all my friends. I prefer to be with the people that I've sat alongside, stood alongside for years and years and years. I prefer to have to not remain professional during a game of football, particularly if it's one of those frustrating uh, afternoons that we've seen so many times over the years at Emirates Stadium. So I don't prefer it, um, but I think on tomorrow's occasion, on in under these circumstances where it is going to be baking hot, just knowing that you can kind of pop out and grab a drink quickly is going to be a bit of a bonus. So I'll take it. I'll take it tomorrow. Um, big hello to everybody else in the live chat as well. Hope you're all good. Uh, great to see uh, so many of you here. We've only been going for three minutes and there's loads of you in the live chat, which is amazing as always. OK, look, I think there's a couple of places from which we could start. I'm going to start, though, from the press conference uh, that Mikel Arteta has just given. I'm not going to go through it all word for word. A, a lot of people do that. You've probably seen it. You've probably read the transcript. You probably don't want to hear me basically repeat everything you've just watched. So I just want to summarise a couple of the key points um, with regards to team news. He was asked about Emil Smith-Rowe, Tommy Asu and Fabio Vieira, who have all been unavailable up to now, uh, but are all expected to at least be in contention 
for a place in the squad tomorrow. What is the latest on them? Uh, Mikel Arteta said that all of them have come back into training. All of them are being reintegrated into the squad. However, they're all at different levels in terms of their fitness and in terms of their condition. So we're not going to see, I don't think, any of them start. Um, and, and Mikel Arteta did say that some of them, some of the returnees will be in the squad. Now, later on in the press conference, he was asked about Kieran Tierney specifically, and he said he's ready to go. So I don't know if we can read in between the lines here and say, OK, Tierney is one of the ones who, um, you know, has come back into the squad, but is now in a place where he could potentially start the game. I don't know if we want to go that far with it. I'd be surprised if he does, um, if he does start the game. But Tierney was obviously included in that group of players that we were talking about or that were talked about in the press conference as people who have been out or are out or are just returning. So it's going to be really, really uh, interesting to see what happens there. Uh, just a quick update on Reese Nelson, because there's been reports this week that he's suffered quite a bad injury. And Mikel Arteta kind of corroborated that by saying it's a muscular problem. He didn't want to commit in terms of how long Reese Nelson is going to be sidelined for. But I feel really, really sorry for Nelson because I think yeah, people have talked about him impressing Arteta of late. People have talked about him being a potential option. I don't think that's the case. I think that Reese Nelson needs to move on. I think it's for for the best in terms of his career. And I think it's for the best in terms of Arsenal as well. Um, so the reason that the timing of this all is so shit is because this could potentially cause teams to hesitate. Teams that may have been interested in taking him away from us, taking him off of our hands and offering him much more regular football. Um, I said earlier, Tierney was ready to go. I meant in the football sense. Uh, Rob says, uh, I hope KT isn't ready to go. He is being linked, of course, with a move to Manchester City, which we'll touch on in a bit, but that's not what I meant, I promise. Um, he was asked about Leicester, you know, standard question in a press conference pre-match one anyway is, what do you think of your opponents, etc., etc. A lot of the talk, surprisingly, was around the conditions that are expected tomorrow. I touched on the fact that it's going to be baking hot, that I need to get quick access to a drink of water when needed, all of that. Um, but it is going to have an effect on the game. You know, it is going to impact on the players. I think it's going to impact on the intensity levels. And we know, and we know even more so now having watched uh, some of the all or nothing documentary that, you know, intensity is something that Mikel Arteta demands throughout, but it's something that there's a real emphasis on for us at the beginning of games. And obviously in those conditions, it makes it more difficult to keep that up. And it means theoretically that you might not be able to do it for as long a period of time in one go without having a breather, without freshening up. Mikel Arteta did suggest that there would be a water break, a cooling break in the middle of the half, which I think would be helpful in these conditions, of course. Uh, so hopefully we can manage that. But Mikel Arteta didn't want to use it as an excuse. You know, he was quite forthright in the fact that he believes that, you know, the conditions are the conditions and you've got to adapt. And that's just the nature of the beast. Obviously, the five subs conversation came up off the back of that. And Mikel Arteta says it helps, uh, particularly in circumstances like the ones we expect tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, look, he seems to be a fan of the five sub thing. I'm not a fan of it. I've said it many a times. I think it widens the gap between the, the bigger sides with the bigger squads and those who aren't able to stockpile as many talented players. But hey, look, it, it is what it is. Um, obviously, he was asked a lot about Aubameyang as well, because obviously the last three episodes of the Amazon documentary that dropped yesterday uh, have been largely focused around Aubameyang's departure. There's been a lot of that in them. Um 
I'm not going to go into that in detail now because on Sunday, while I've given you guys a little bit more time to watch it, because I know a lot of you haven't got a, gotten around to seeing all the episodes, we're going to do a review of episodes four, five, and six. So we'll be doing that on Sunday. I did um, break down one to three last weekend. And so this weekend, I'm going to do the next ones. But I want to give you guys a bit more time to watch it. I binge watched the last three last night. I sat down at about 10 o'clock, stuck them on. I was like, oh, I'll just watch one and I'll get off to bed. I've got a really busy day tomorrow. And of course, I got suckered in and watched all three of them. So I look forward to reviewing those uh, with you. And um, one of the reporters in the press conference decided to try and crack a joke about one of the things that was seen in the documentary. Mikel Arteta's dossier, if you like, of... Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's misdemeanors, as they were called. Um, the, the journalist joked at the beginning of the press conference and then asked later on whether Chelsea had asked for it, of course, because Chelsea are being linked with a move uh, for Aubameyang. In terms of uh, moves and in terms of all of that transfer stuff that just won't go away at the moment, look, it's died down a bit since the season started, thankfully. But until the window closes, it's still going to be uh, very much in our in our eye line, and, and it's still very much going to be something that we're going to hear about on a regular basis. Uh, but of course, I mentioned earlier those links to Kieran Tini. It's suggested that Manchester City are going to try and do a deal for him between now and the end of the window. Mikel Arteta refused to be drawn on that talk. Um, he, he didn't want to know, didn't entertain it, and I'm glad he didn't entertain it. Look, I don't think Arsenal are even considering allowing Kieran Tini to go. I don't think that... Um, you know, I don't think that would be sending the right message as a football club. Of course, there are concerns over his fitness. And of course, there is an amount of money that would make me, from a purely footballing perspective, consider selling Kieran Tierney if I were in charge. Because availability with him is a big, big problem. But at the same time, if you want to portray yourselves in a way that you are moving forward, that you're building a squad with depth, you're building a squad with far greater quality, that competition within the ranks is right at the top of your list in terms of priorities, then letting somebody like Kieran Tierney go at this point would contradict that message, wouldn't it? It would completely go against the perception that Arsenal are trying to put out there um, to the fans and to onlookers from maybe outside of the club as well. He was also asked about William Saliba, asked about how, you know, he keeps his feet on the ground. They referenced some pundit comments over the last week that suggested he's the next Rio Ferdinand, uh, the next Virgil van Dijk, somebody suggested as well. Mikel Arteta said, look, I think the players' feet are very much firmly on the ground. That's good to hear that Mikel Arteta doesn't feel that he needs to be too on top of that situation. But he did make the point that William Saliba is just 21 years of age and has only played one Premier League game, just kind of in an indirect way, perhaps suggesting to people that they need to calm down a little bit over the Frenchman. He's got all the makings of a great centre-half, but there's a long way to go before he'll get there. Um, also, there was a question about Fabio Vieira as well, who I mentioned is back in training. Arsenal, just before I went live, have put out a little training edit as well, in which he features how much of a role he'll play, if he'll play a role at all tomorrow, whether he'll be in the squad or not, remains to be seen, as I've alluded to earlier on. But again, Mikel Arteta moving very quickly to, um, to just manage those expectations around the player. You know, he's a young player. He's coming from abroad. It could well take some time before Fabio Vieira gets up to the level that Arsenal think he could be at. So don't get carried away on that one. Let's see how it goes. But listen, I'd love to get a first glance at him. I haven't seen hardly anything of him 
And we were robbed of that opportunity in pre-season when he picked up an injury. So hopefully uh, we can see him in Arsenal colours sooner rather than later and begin to make our initial and, and early judgments and assessments on the player. So that was the uh, the main points from uh, the press conference, as I mentioned, in terms of team news. Smithrow, Tommy Asuviera, none of whom featured in the first game away at Crystal Palace, are back in training. Mikel Arteta said some of them could be in the squad, but we'll have to wait and see, of course, until uh, tomorrow. Um, okay, so taking all of that into consideration, bearing in mind what Mikel Arteta has said, how would I line up the team tomorrow if I were in charge? I'll tell you exactly how. I would go with exactly the same side that won at Crystal Palace. I don't see the need to change it. I don't think that any of the players that could potentially come back in, i.e. Kieran Tierney, who was a sub at Palace, Emile Smith-Rowe, Tommy Asu or Fabio Vieira could possibly be at peak physical condition. I don't think any of them are. I think they all need to be worked back into it. I think they all need to get back up to speed. I think they all need to get minutes at some point somewhere along the line, but perhaps as substitutes rather than as starters. I would pick exactly the same team. It's a winning team. It's a very solid team. And I think it's a team that's well-equipped to deal with the threat that Leicester pose. So for those of you listening on audio, an unchanged 11 for me of Ramsdale in goal, a back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko. Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard are my midfield three with Saka from the right, Martinelli from the left and Gabriel Jesus leading the line. Now, a lot was made after Crystal Palace of Martin Odegaard's performance. And I said in my post-match show that for me, even when he isn't at his best, even when it doesn't always click, even when he's a little bit under par in terms of what he does with the ball at his feet, he works so bloody hard and gives you so much in terms of the press, in terms of setting the tempo and the rhythm. I think I read somewhere that he covered more distance on the pitch at Crystal Palace than anybody else on the field, which again kind of backs up that point that even when he's not at his best, Martin Odegaard is someone who really does give you a lot. I expect him to impact the game tomorrow and I expect him to really kind of bounce back after what was undoubtedly an underwhelming performance when it came to what he did with the ball at his feet. He missed a really good opportunity when he decided to try and cut it back inside in the second half after some great work from Jesus down the right-hand side. There was another opportunity in the first half where he found himself on the corner of the penalty area. I thought he could have shifted it onto his left foot and looked for the far corner. Again, he opted not to do that. He opted to overplay. So that was a bit of a frustration regarding Odegaard coming away from that game in particular. But I think at home, he tends to play better. Again, that's something that is often thrown at him as a criticism, the fact that maybe away from home, he isn't as impactful. But yeah, I expect him to have a big game tomorrow and a big performance. And, you know, with Saka, Martinelli and Jesus around him, he should really uh, be a little bit more... What's the word? Basically, he shouldn't be wasteful when he gets into those areas. He's going to have options, but also he's got to, at some point, as the club captain, just be willing to just take it on his own shoulders and do it himself. I think that's what separates good players from great players. You know, that willingness, that confidence, that trust in your own ability at times to just take it on, take the responsibility. And I think if Martin Odegaard does that just a little bit more frequently, we all know he's got the quality to impact football matches. I think when we look at Leicester City, I think the 
the main threat that comes to my mind uh, is that of Jamie Vardy, of course. And if I just sort of bring up on the screen for those of you watching how Leicester City lined up against Brentford in their opening game of the season, it was a disappointing result in the end for the Foxes because they were 2 nil up and they ended up drawing the game. Uh, but it was warding goal. It was for Fana, Evans, Amate, Castagna, Tielemans and Didi, Dewsbury Hall and Justin were the sort of midfield five. Obviously, Castagna and Justin playing like wingbacks with Madison just in that pocket in behind Jamie Vardy. But there's a lot of talk about Leicester at the moment. There's a lot of people saying that they're going to have a bad season, that Brendan Rodgers has lost it, that the, the lack of business this summer has been a real, real problem and it's set them back. And, you know, as I say, the hopes around Leicester are not very high at the moment. But I'll tell you this. You look at that team. James Madison is a top quality player. Jamie Vardy is a top quality player. Fofana is a great centre-half. Evans on his days, a very good centre-half. Castagna, who I know well from his time with his previous club, is a threat down that right-hand side. Justin has impressed on the left. Dewsbury Hall can do damage. And Ndidi is a player I've heard many Arsenal fans calling for over the last few seasons. So when you look at that team on paper, there's still a lot of quality in there. And this is not a game that we can take lightly. Now, Madison has the ability to split defences with his passing. He has the ability to release Jamie Vardy, who, make no mistake about it, even at his age, is going to be looking to run the channels. And yes, Arsenal need to squeeze up the pitch. And yes, Arsenal need to be aggressive in their press. We were able to cope at Crystal Palace for the most part, but there were a couple of times where we just got a little bit stretched and Palace were able to get in behind more often from wide areas. Wilfred Zaha, Andre Ayew on the other side. But I just think we've got to be very mindful of the threat that Jamie Vardy poses. And if I'm not mistaken, it feels like anyway, he always bloody scores against us. So, yeah, look, this is not a game that you can take lightly. And then, of course, there's the Yuri Tielemans side story to all of this as well. A player who's been heavily linked with a move to Arsenal. Will he play tomorrow? I think he will. If he does play, that tells me that Arsenal aren't anywhere closer to getting a deal done. If he mysteriously is uh, excluded from the squad, then maybe we can start to speculate and we can start to talk about that. But he did start last week at Brentford, which is not what you'd expect from a player who, if you're to believe some reports, is literally standing by the exit door, waiting for it to open so that he can run out with his belongings. I think Tielemans probably plays. Does Tielemans have a point to prove? Yeah, it probably does. If he's waiting for Arsenal and we're not doing it, then he will have a point to prove and he will want to show himself, given that he's not, at this moment in time, willing to um, sign a new contract with the club. So that's the way Leicester lined up last week. Of course, I don't know how they're going to line up this week, but just gives you an indication of, of what they might do. Also shows you that even within that 11, when people are slagging Leicester City off, being very critical of Brendan Rodgers, which I've done in the past, but I've been a little bit quiet on lately, they still have a lot of quality and the opportunity to cause you problems or the ability, I should say, rather than the opportunity to cause problems if they so wish. So, yeah, we've got to be alert. We've got to be at it. This is the Premier League. You can't afford to have off days because everybody pretty much, barring maybe one or two teams, is good enough to take advantage when that happens. So um, I've showed you Leicester's lineup from last week. I've shared with you mine. Let's move on to a prediction then. How do I think this one's going to go? Look, I think although I've just given you a long spiel about how we shouldn't 
take Leicester for granted, how we shouldn't take three points for granted, how we shouldn't take Leicester City as an opponent lightly. I do think that it's undeniable that Arsenal favourites to win this one. And I actually think we'll win it 2-0. Um, I'm not expecting Arsenal to be at their brilliant best for 90 minutes. I think in the second half of the game at Palace, we just dropped off a little bit physically, which was understandable. First game of the season. OK, second game of the season. In theory, fitness levels should be a bit better, a bit higher. But then you take into consideration the conditions that the game's going to be played in. And you wonder how much of an impact that's going to have as well. I think a 2-0 win for Arsenal is um, it is going to be my prediction. That's what I'm leaning towards. That's what I would go for. I'd be disappointed if we concede a goal tomorrow. But I'm not naive to the fact that Leicester City have a lot of talent in the likes of Vardy and Madison. So we've got to be mindful of that. But I just don't think defensively they look particularly sound at the moment. It looks like a team you can get at even when they play a back three, which they do for added security you still feel that you can get at them and you still feel that with the movement and the dynamism that we have in the attacking areas, we should uh, cause them a lot of problems. So that's my prediction. Just to let you all know as well, we have once again uh, teamed up with the good people over at Football Prizes. And this week, they've got one that you do not want to miss. It's the 2022-23 Arsenal home shirt signed by Gabriel Jesus, and it could be yours. All you need to do is head over to the Football Prizes website. The link is in the description. Uh, go over there, sign up, register, enter the draw by picking a number. There are 99 tickets available, and of course, uh, they cost £2.95. Now, if you buy a ticket, you go into the draw, and you could win this shirt. Uh, I beg your pardon. I said 99 tickets because that's what it says on the graphic, but actually... Uh, if you, yeah, it is 99. I beg your pardon. It says in the blurb here, 65, which is wrong. It's 99. So don't get confused by that. There are 99 tickets up for grabs. You can go in there, you can buy them and you will then be putting yourself into the draw, uh, to win this fantastic Arsenal shirt signed by Gabriel Jesus. So there you go. Check it out. Get involved. The competition ends on Tuesday, the 16th of August. It's my birthday at 7.30 p.m. But if the tickets sell out before that, then that's it. So if you do want to get involved, if you are interested, click on the link in the description. Check out our good friends at Football Prizes. Get involved for your chance to win the coveted prize. OK, um, so I've given you my prediction. I've given you my lineup. Um I just wanted to touch a little bit or, or sort of expand a little bit on the Kieran Tierney rumours. Now, I said to you guys that I think it's wrong uh, to sell him. I think that to let him go would be silly. I think it would send the wrong message. And I do completely agree with that. But one of the comments I made when we were discussing uh, that particular subject was where I said there is an amount of money out there, however, that would at least mean I consider selling Kieran Tierney. And I just wanted to clarify those comments because I can imagine that I'll get quite a bit of stick for that. Listen, I admire him as a player so much. I rate him. I think he's so good. I think he brings you so much to the team. I think in terms of the culture, in terms of the values, the non-negotiables that Mikel Arteta repeatedly talks about, I think he ticks all of those boxes. He seems like a really humble lad who's got his feet on the ground, who only cares about playing football um, and only cares about... Um, you know, success and, and everything else that comes with that is a bonus. But this fitness issue with Kieran Tierney is a big one. 
And unfortunately, football is a very cutthroat industry. And there does come a time where you have to consider your options. And if, you know, we're going to talk about a player that misses a third of every season, sometimes more, then I don't think you should be completely closed off to the idea of selling him. As I said, I don't think it would send the right message right now. But this is kind of like a, a last chance saloon for me now when it comes to Kieran Tierney. Like, he's got to stay fit this season for the most part. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if he picks up a, a, an injury for two, three weeks and he's out, that's part of football. But it's these long-term injuries that have just plagued him, that have also plagued us as a team because you can't plan like that. You know, I, I've said it before, Alexander Zinchenko was a great option because he can play in that position, but he can also play in midfield. But there's no there's no doubt about it. Kieran Tierney's a much better defender than Alexander Zinchenko. And um, although, as Ben says in the chat, we need quality and not quantity, and I completely agree with that, the quality is irrelevant if they don't have availability. And so availability is just as important as quality in my book. And I think we've learned that the hard way particularly at the back end of last season. So, yeah, I just wanted to clarify those comments. Like, I don't want to sell him. I don't want him to leave. But there has to be, based on his availability issues, there has to be a price point that makes you think, mm, you know what, we might be better off reinvesting this money elsewhere. Sad to say, but it's the, the harsh reality. Okay. Um, what else have we got? You know what, let's take some questions from the live chat. We've got about 10 or so minutes left. So uh, stick them in the chat box. I'd love to uh, see what you guys are thinking and hear from you before we wrap up the show. Let's take this one from Ayush, who says, Hey, Harry, Tielemans or Tonali? And what about Kessie if Barcelona can't register him? Isn't he like Partey? Jeremy Pino will be one for the future, but haven't we signed Marquinhos for that position? So a lot of a lot of points in that one. Right, so... um. Tielemans or Tonali, I'd go with Tielemans. I said to you guys the other day, I'm not massively keen on Sandro Tonali. I think he's a good player, but I think he's a good Serie A player. And I've said it before, I think the transition between Serie A and Premier League is a big one. I think it's a difficult one to make. And I don't think that Sandro Tonali guarantees you success in the Premier League. I don't think you can guarantee that he can be a very influential player in the Premier League because I fear it might just pass him by. So that's my opinion. Um, that's my opinion on, on that one. Uh, as for Kessie, look, a lot has been made of the Barcelona situation. You know, it feels like every bit of work I do somehow ends up going back to Barcelona in one way, shape or another. There's always a link to Barcelona because they are holding so many cards in this transfer market. And it's astonishing when you think about the fact that they're in financial ruin. I don't think Barcelona signed these players if they don't know that they can get around this registration issue. I'm, I'd be shocked if they aren't able to register these players. Obviously, there's a possibility. Obviously, you have to stay on alert because of that. But I'd be shocked if they were to run into a brick wall and have a real problem registering these players. So I don't envisage that opportunity coming about. Um, as for Jeremy Pino, I talked about it again yesterday. I, I just, for me, it just it feels like too big a risk when you think about the money that is said to be involved if you're going to take him away from Villarreal. So, yeah, not for me, that one. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Amira says, hey, Harry, thoughts on the captain's notes in the new match programmes? They've always been captain's notes. I like that. It's a good thing. Um, you know, uh, there's always been manager's notes and then 
in more recent years, captain's notes as well and and stuff like that. So I'm not, you know, I don't think that's a new thing, but he says um, there's a snippet of it on the Arsenal website where Martin Odegaard talks about his miss against Palace. I haven't read that. I will read it, though. Thanks uh, for pointing me in that direction, mate. I will check it out. Uh, what else have we got? Chris Carrick says, do you think our players will go easy on Tielemans? Given the speculation about his joining our squad, is that thing? No, I don't think so. Um, he's not here now. Um, and, you know, there's still been no real indication that he's going to be here by the end of the transfer window. So focus on the game. Don't worry about Yuri Tielemans. Um, just do our thing. Go out there, dominate the game, take the game to Leicester City. And most importantly, come away from it with all three points. Uh, Robert Fenton says, who is your preferred midfielder, Harry? Do you think we should sign a six to cover Partey and play Zinchenko as the left eight when Tierney is fit? Um, I like the idea of Zinchenko playing as the left eight, but I don't see Granite Xhaka being dropped anytime soon. And I think the sooner people process that, the better. And, and you know, the sooner the people will then, you know, stop looking for a way to get him out of the side. Now, Robert, I'm not saying that you're doing that. I know you're asking a question about Zinchenko, but it does feel like with Granit Xhaka, generally speaking, of course, that everybody's kind of, or a lot of people are looking for a way to get him out, a way to avoid having him in the starting 11. But the fact is Mikel Arteta really trusts him. Mikel Arteta really likes him and he's going to be there. So I don't think Zinchenko plays as the left eight when Granit Xhaka's fit. With regards to the type of midfielder that we need, I agree with you that the six is the position that we're in the most danger of suffering with if we don't get somebody in. But it's got to be the right player. And I don't know that the right player is feasible now. I don't know who Arsenal are looking at. Um, you know, maybe they're doing something quietly that we just don't know about. The point I'm trying to make here is I can't think of someone that we could go out and get that's achievable, that I would say, okay, he can come into the side and he's instantly at the level that Thomas Partey is and therefore it doesn't impact the team in any way, shape or form. I've said to you guys before that I think Mikel Arteta will believe, will feel that if he does get another midfielder of whatever profile, he's got enough within that group in the shape of Zinchenko, Xhaka, Elneny, Lokonga to potentially rejig it around a little bit and cover a Thomas Partey injury if that's what's to happen. So, yeah, um, that's where I'm at on that one. Um, Nate says, uh, what is your price for t &E? Oh, I don't have a specific price, but I guess anything upwards of 60, 65 million would at least bring me to the table if I were the one um, in negotiations. Uh, big thank you to Jeffrey Ebo for your very kind donation, mate. Thank you so, so much. Really, really do appreciate it. He also says, uh, do we have adequate adequate cover in the striker position? I think there's a drop-off from Jesus to Nketiah. I like Nketiah, but I'm not convinced he can carry the loan. I agree with you. Look, he's not at Jesus's level and he probably never will be. Um, I think he's a good deputy, but then there is that fear of what happens if, if Jesus gets injured and we do have to rely on him. What I would say is this, look, in an ideal world, you'd like to have a little bit more depth and a little bit more cover, but we don't live in an ideal world. And, you know, we'd rather sign quality over quantity. And so that means naturally that your process of building your squad, not your first 11, but your squad 
is going to be a longer one than than people really want it to be. But that's just how it is. Um, I think Arsenal will be well aware of that. I think Arsenal in the long run will be looking to bring in another forward if you know they don't feel that Eddie and Ketty is quite up to it. But you can't do everything in in a single window. You know, it's been a couple of windows now where we've a couple of summer windows where we've gone quite big, but making all that change and investing all that money in one go. Yeah, it's great on the surface, but it can cause issues as well. It can cause um, settling in problems. It can cause issues in terms of people singing on the same from the same hymn sheet. It can cause problems in terms of that unity and, and those relationships that maybe haven't been built yet because you've got so many new faces coming in the door at every given opportunity. So I think I've said this before. I think for me, when Mikel Arteta talks about his non-negotiables and he talks about the culture around the club, I think he believes that the smaller the squad, the easier it is to maintain that. And I don't want to give away anything ahead of my review of episodes four to six of the All or Nothing documentary, which I'm doing on Sunday. But there was a line from Aaron Ramsdale that really got me thinking where he said, you know, the squad is a lot smaller now, but that's helped us to be together and to be united. Does Mikel Arteta acknowledge that? And is he willing to trade the benefits of having a bigger squad off for the benefits of having a smaller squad in terms of being able to ensure that people are all on the same page and in order to be able to breed that unity within the changing room? I'll let you make of that what you will. Okay, uh, guys, uh, thank you uh, so, so much for tuning in. Just a quick recap of our preview ahead of the game against Leicester City tomorrow. I'd name an unchanged 11. It includes Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Partey, Odegaard, Xhaka, Saka, Martinelli and Jesus. Hope to see uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Tommy Asu and Fabio Vieira on the substitutes bench. It's not a game that we can take lightly. I truly do believe that. I think that Leicester have a threat and can pose Arsenal problems despite the narrative around them at the moment. I still think they've got a lot of quality within their ranks. Tienemann saga continues to rumble on. What will be the conclusion there? We don't know. In terms of my prediction, I've gone for an Arsenal 2-0 win. Fingers crossed that is... uh, Look, I don't care what the score is at the end of the day. As long as we win, that's all that matters. Let's continue that momentum. We've got some very decent fixtures on paper at the moment. So let's, let's take maximum advantage of them and not put ourselves on the back foot going into the latter stages of the campaign as we have done in years gone by. But yep, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. I can see there are plenty of you with us live right now. We've only got 102 likes on the board. There's no reason why we can't get that up to 200 ASAP. So like, subscribe, and I'll catch you all tomorrow with some more content around Arsenal's game against Leicester City at Emirates Stadium. Till next time, take care, guys. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.